Welcome to LedgerCast. This episode is brought to you by Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check it out today and to sign up for BNC Pro. BNC Pro is an all-encompassing platform for you to be able to manage your portfolio uh, thoroughly. You can manage multiple portfolios. You can uh, include automated strategies with your manual investments. It's really cool. It's got a lot going on. I got a chance to talk to the CEO of Brave New Coin. Uh, Fran Strainer and really enjoyed hearing about all the things they have planned for it, which is a whole bunch. Just go to letterstats.com slash BNC to check it out where you can uh, learn more about the product and sign up for free to try it. Hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here again with Josh Olswich. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Pretty good. Today we're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about price. Uh, we're going to dig into some specific altcoin setups. Before we get to price and charts and all of that, uh, I think we need to sit here. We need to uh, take some credit and uh, <laughs> stomp around with our clout. Tell us. Uh, well, this is actually straight to charts, but basically uh, we nailed it, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. People might disagree with my own viewpoint of myself, but I don't care about the clout as much as I care about the money. So, you know, <laughs> but you, I can. I but can if the go clout on, is there for the taking, you should just yeah. reach up and grab it. <clears throat> okay, but like, I can go on Twitter and say, "Told you, called it, blah blah blah," or like speak in these like these ways that people on crypto Twitter do, like giving yourself a pat on the back. It's like, who cares? You made the money. That's what. That's what's important to me anyway. So, but yes, we yeah. did. We did lay it out. I traded it very well it worked out um uh, yeah it was good um exactly how we said it was gonna break from that uh, inverted head and shoulders yeah we talked about the 7500 to 8500 being kind of the key trade zone it didn't quite make it to 8500 it made it to 84 70 something i don't know uh sold off pretty hard alongside macro news uh so before we get into more price Let's dig into what that macro news was, what kind of drove the move up, and then subsequently back down. Uh, We talked about this Iran escalation on the last episode. It was clearly driving markets, and uh, it what was it? The retaliation that kind of drove this uh, the the Iranian retaliation reports of a. Uh, missile strike on U.S. bases in Iraq is what led this large, pretty much entirely overnight move across Bitcoin, uh, gold, U.S. index markets, and oil, kind of the primary primary assets, right? Yeah, and I feel like like the main reason we didn't go to World War Three is because Trump is so tied to the stock market and as soon as he saw the markets <laughs> dipping he's like oh, 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 okay <laughs> like he, he's all about uh you know all-time high s&p whatever all over and over again so yeah uh, i mean it, initially he uh he even said like they were going to make a presidential address like that night yeah uh, and then they postponed it and like later that night he said something tweeted like all is well his his tweets this is not a political podcast, but his tweets are, have been next level uh, recently. He <laughs> he he typoed, uh, "How are your 
409Ks doing. Like it's literally seemed like a toilet tweet. Like he he was just, you know, real excited about that stock market high. Was he was checking the stocks on his phone and taking a poo and uh just had to tweet it out <laughs> in all caps and oops, typoed and uh there there therefore the four oh nine K meme was born. Um but yeah, I mean, so I, like, I have Twitter typos all the time, but I'm not the president he's the of the president. United States. Like, you know, so. <laughs> he's so clearly just tweeting top of mind with no consultation from primary advisors. It's actually it's astonishing. Uh, anyway, all that aside, we definitely seem to like treat this missile attack as kind of a conclusion of the immediate escalation because they pretty clearly were warning us that they were doing this, that it was kind of like a retaliation without escalation type of move to save face, which doesn't actually save face. It's all dumb politics stuff. Who cares? But the point was the market treated it initially as a reason to spike very high. Uh, And then as soon as kind of the lack of uh, proper escalation and like kind of a, you know, this, this, dissemination that it was really Iran taking a step back uh, caused all of those risk-off markets to reverse really quickly. Uh, Bitcoin and gold both basically retraced the entirety of those uh, overnight moves. The stock market, if you look just at the open and the close, looked like it had done nothing, but the futures market had gone absolutely wild in both directions. So that was that. Uh, so a lot of price yeah, I mean, stuff happened, but unless you're in a 24 seven market, it was kind of hard to see, right? Yeah. I mean, if I'm on a desert Island again and I'm looking at price and I see it go break the neckline, hit the eight, one to eight, five target, and then come back to the neckline. Like that's all par for the course from a technical perspective. It just so happens yeah. that it also lined up with all of this macro stuff going on, you know, world right. war three being canceled. <laughs> um, was was a great reason to go back to the, the neckline of that inverted head and shoulders from a price yep. perspective. So, and uh, you know, I've seen people draw on this channel in all kinds of different ways, depending on the end, uh, depending on the exchange that you draw, put Bitcoin on, and all this. Uh, it, the way I have it drawn, it looks like we broke out of the long term channel and then retested it, and now are mm-hmm. responding off of it. Other friends of mine that draw are a little truer to the wicks. Uh, it would look like we're still kind of underneath it, haven't actually broken out of that channel yet, whatever. Either way, um, you know, today we're back up to about uh, just under 8,100. And, um, but it was quite a, quite a swing that we had. I mean, it really went up and really came down and uh, it was, it was a lot going on. The volume has picked up significantly on a daily basis. So, Seems like we've got some volatility on our hands and and maybe that will stay with us for a little bit. Is that kind of your take? Yeah, I think the most important thing for me was that that messy inverted head and shoulders playing out. Like that was step one to, okay, we might be experiencing a temporary bottom here. We're inside the cloud now. The bullish TK cross is happening on the daily. So like it'll be a couple of weeks before we know, you know, for sure we're, we're bouncing on the underside of the 200 day EMA right now. Mm-hmm. But I think by by the end of February, certainly we'll know if this is like a bull bull rally or if this is just 
going from bearish to neutral back to bearish, you know? So, and that lines up with a lot. We're seeing a lot of like why coffee and accumulation charts out there. Um, and that this zone lines up with like phase D of why coffee and accumulation, which is like the ascending triangle. If you go back to like 2015 pre having, um, that ascending triangle was essentially, um, like a pre markup phase, post phase D. I don't know. I don't really know all the terms, but you get my point. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, once again, we're, we're in this like pre having state where, like you said, if we go sideways for three months, that's fine. That's almost preferred, uh, to like recharge the bullish batteries here before we uh, yeah. have another big spike. Uh, one long time frame. Uh, indicator that I love is the 20 week SMA Bollinger mm-hmm. Band midline on the weekly basis. We only touched that three or four times in all of 2017. Uh, we touched it more in 2018 because of the amount of sideways that we had. Um, when we broke it in 20 early 2019, that was when we moved above 4k, which we documented here a lot. Uh, when we broke down from it, that was when we broke down from uh, 10K to like 8K in September 2019. We retested it October 2019. And lo and behold, the number we went to uh, the other day at the top in the 8400s was basically to the dollar, the 20 week SMA as resistance. Um, so that's fascinating to me. I don't think. We're, I don't think we're likely to just pop above that. I think we're probably going to spend a couple of weeks if we're going to be bullish, kind of battling up against it, maybe forming some kind of pattern to um, work our way up. Some something above eight k, but below eight thousand five hundred, uh, create a higher a, a mid time frame pattern to before we kind of bust through that twenty week SMA is my prediction. But I thought it was great and fascinating that i mean that level was so cleanly rejected but served as resistance uh on that move yeah. up yeah we talked about it last time it was also the uh weekly key june on the cloud but if you look at like the 10 years of whatever of crypto bitcoin's history like historically being above eight five there's been like you know two months maybe for for bitcoin where it's been above uh maybe more than two months but you get my point, like maybe three months, like there's not a lot of history above eight, five ever historically. So even yeah, getting, I, getting up here important. and staying up here is a really good, uh, really good thing. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that the last time we, in, in the summer when we were above it, what we were doing there as much as anything in our minds was kind of normalizing, you know, five figure Bitcoin, uh, and same thing above 8k, but just you're normalizing a, a much more expensive Bitcoin than, uh, the five to seven K, which has seemed like just a range that was hard to tackle. And we looked very much in the realm of, you know, ready to go and just go back into that jail. Uh, so if our new jail is a little higher and it's, uh, eight to 10 K or something, then that's, that's progress in the grand scheme of things, I guess. Yeah. And if even, I'm low, even if, if I'm low time frames, action. yeah, like, like we keep saying, but even if I'm low time frames, we hover around uh you know eight six to eight one or something like that 
If we consolidate around the yearly pivot at 8.1, we're good. If we consolidate at 8.1 and eventually break out of the daily cloud, that's amazing. That'll happen like end of February if we just go sideways. So, yeah, yeah, like it doesn't look bad, definitely. Um, bouncing off that, uh, bouncing off the weekly B bands also um, last week, December 16th, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, but um, yeah, so all this is flipping from mega bear to bear to neutral now in my mind on like high time frames. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to dig into this too, because if what we're talking about moving to neutral, <laughs> maybe some increased volatility, but uh, generally kind of establishing a range that may introduce yet again, an opportunity for altcoins to do things. So a little bit later in the episode, we are going to talk about some individual altcoin setups that we're interested in and, uh, or maybe have even started. Before we do that, uh, I want to cover a couple of news items. One is, I'm going to need you to guide me through it because I really don't have a lot of context on it, but more Bitfinex news, which I know you love. Um, but there was a lawsuit against Bitfinex about Tether and it was dropped. Uh, why was it dropped? What's the What's the story here? That just hit today. I assumed it was just deemed a frivolous lawsuit by the plaintiffs because it was withdrawn by them like they knew they weren't going to win um so do you know what uh jurisdiction it was in i think california i can't remember okay so it wasn't in new york if it was in new york that would be really interesting but i don't think so but either way there's got to be one or two more lawsuits against bifinex and or tether <laughs> that are just in the ether that uh we're just forgetting about or not abreast to much like ripple yeah. where they just have all these lawsuits just hanging around. But so like, I don't think it's, it's not the end of it, but it's a good, uh, start to people like leaving Bitfinex alone for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we can leave that there pretty much. I think we've covered tether enough over the years. Well, the other thing about, uh, talking a little bit about, a bit about price again, Last week, we were talking about the price of Tether relative to being bullish or bearish. Oh, yeah. We need that update. And as soon as we popped above that uh, inverted head and shoulders neckline, Tether also popped above a dollar. So I think there's definitely a lot to watch there in the future as far as like a correlation. If you, you know, like we were watching that um, pattern happen real time, whether or not Tether agrees with that um, So the the, was a good the discount ended right when the breakout started or when the top was in? Uh, both, actually. Not really. Well, the discount ended. So the discount ended as soon as we broke out, and then it resumed as soon as we dipped. <laughs> so Okay, so people were flooding back into Tether once we got above whatever, 82, 83, or broke down I'd, back from I don't it. even know if I'd say that. I just, like, it. you just say there's correlation here because, you know, who knows what's actually going on with Tether. Yeah. But I think the most important thing is we exited of the longest period of being below a dollar consecutively in a long time um, since like April 2018, basically. Oh, wow. Because from uh, from late December to early January, that was just all tether below a dollar. So that's not good uh, for the market. And then if we just mm -hmm. look at Coinbase uh, has been leading Bitfinex consistently over the past week-ish. Uh, which is also very bullish. Just to me, it says cash is leading tether or cash is leading margin or leverage trading. So 
that's usually a good sign for retail or some other shenanigans, you know? Yeah. People that are taking a little longer term positioning at a minimum. Yeah. Uh, so we talked a little bit about this whole Virgil thing, the Ethereum guy. Um, he's out of jail. He's in Alabama. Hey, Virgil, if you want to come on the show, I can uh, come meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> do an interview i'm sure you're open to that you and your lawyers are real excited about talking to a podcaster uh about your north korea trips is there anything special about this or just highlighting the fact that he's out of jail i mean he's gonna have a hard life for the next couple of years i think but uh yeah didn't we were we talking about how he was a flight risk or something the judge was saying that yeah, either the judge or we did, one of the two. But for people that didn't keep up with this, he got arrested because he went to North Korea and did illegal things that you're just not supposed to do in North Korea, even though it's like educational or whatever. He was basically like teaching them how to use crypto slash maybe launder money. I don't know. Uh, it all seemed really pretty bad. Um, and he, yeah, he did seemed, He seemed defiant and oppositional and wanting yeah. to oh, like... Yeah. Uh, His stance when he came back was all wrong. He had asked permission, was denied, went anyway. Like, all the good stuff. Um, but yeah. he was initially, finally released from jail. He's pretty involved in the Ethereum Foundation, right? I think so. Like, he's definitely a, a known member of the Ethereum community. Yeah. But nevertheless, nevertheless, he's out on bail. So that's your true crime update. <laughs> 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 and then the uh, the backed CEO got her uh, what is it state yeah, house she got, seat she got her in Georgia her appointment to the United States Senate was it the Senate um, or the state Senate I think it's the United States Senate isn't it okay well that would make more sense because apparently she's also going to help oversee the CFTC yeah which so is she's, like. Yeah, yeah, it is U.S. Senator, so that's my bad. Yeah. So, yeah, like, talk about, because she's a big uh, Trump supporter, apparently, like a big donor. And she's she's, pro. she's married to the CEO of uh, ICE. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And she was the CEO of uh, BACT. Now she's been appointed to the U.S. Senate, and now she's going to oversee the CFTC. So Help the conflicts oversee, of yeah. interest are significant. Yeah, I mean, but if you're crypto, they're good. Cause, <laughs> like having a crypto ally in the U.S. Senate is good. How she got there and like how connected she is and she's pro-wall, pro-anti-immigrant, that sort of thing, which is yeah. fine, whatever. That's her viewpoint. But um, so The headline on CNBC is uh, new senator Kelly Loeffler will help oversee the agency that regulates her husband's company. <laughs> yeah, that's a so bit. So there you go. bit tangled. It's a bit tangled, but yeah, a crypto, theoretically a crypto advocate uh, in the United States Senate. To be in her role at BACT, she had to have some, um, you know, some basic understanding of crypto, Bitcoin. Uh, so I think maybe what to bring up here is one, uh, what her insights might be for the CFTC regulations. But two is like kind of the the Sherman-esque type of influence. So Brad Sherman is a boisterous opponent, voice boisterous uh, opponent of crypto, and you know she may have the opportunity to be um, an advocate for crypto or a source of knowledge 
for crypto amongst a bunch of old people in the Senate and on committees that regulate this kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see to what degree she has influence there and, and what that ends up mattering, if at all. But I do think in 2020, we'll see more regulatory stuff having to do with crypto that's on a national level, even though it's calmed down a little bit. It was definitely a theme of 2019, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think even on international level, I, I think we mentioned this one podcast, maybe two podcasts ago about KYC coming basically everywhere. Deribit, Bitfinex, Bitmax. Yeah, we talked about it being Bitfinex. on the way for sure. Um, but and we got some of that news uh, yesterday regarding Deribit. They're just uprooting straight up to Panama, yeah, which is an interesting play. Um, and they also, are introducing some KYC, but it seems yeah. like the KYC they're introducing is uh, not quite as stringent as maybe they would have had to do had they stayed in the EU. Yeah, I mean, I think you can withdraw one BTC without KYC per day, which is yeah. so for very 99. generous for most people. Like, yeah, that's not going to be an issue. Um, but yeah. if, if, it, the big... if it takes you too long to get off an exchange with that limit, then... Uh, you know, somebody may have too much singular exchange risk, or you're incredibly wealthy and you should maybe have other ways to trade <laughs> to where you can have like corporate accounts or something else, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's like if you're a minnow, you don't care, you're staying. But if you're a whale, you might care and you might leave. And that's most of the volume anyway. So I think in the near term, you said it was a nothing burger. I don't think it's exactly a nothing burger in the near term. I think it's going to be a bigger deal in the near term and a less of a big deal later on. But yeah, the I think people the, it affects most are people who are large position size traders, but they're mostly trading their own stack. Uh, you know, they're individually wealthy and trading on their own behalf. Uh, some of those people still it won't affect because a lot of those people they are. Um, you know, somehow incorporated, so it's there. You're still able to get around it. That's how a lot of funds uh, trade on, you know, Bitmex and elsewhere. So I don't, I just don't think it's that impactful. I think people will figure it out pretty quickly. But maybe, like you said, it'll have some near-term impacts. But I also think people saw this coming a mile away. They handled it pretty well. I just, it's not something that seems that significant to me. Yeah, and I, I feel like in general, retail crypto people aren't trading options a lot. So I don't I don't know. It's like mixed feelings for me because I feel like the people actually trading crypto options are advanced traders, but I could be wrong. Because like I don't trade options at all. So <laughs> but I know you you might, but um yeah, anyway. So that that's there. But and then uh, there's all this like exchange news in general, like the Binance Europe person left. Uh, some but somebody at OKEx left the COO uh, to do their own thing. Um, so I don't know. I think we're going to see a lot more of like that as well, like the mix up on exchanges in general. People like cashing in on stock or just saying enough's enough with this regulation and just moving on to other stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, and today, like the Cobain Hood thing which is a retail of a retail platform, right? I don't know anything about it, but that shut down too. They said it's temporary, but there's no way. It's it's probably forever. Um, yeah, I have no idea what it is. Yep. Yeah, it's like a Robinhood clone, isn't it? 
Ah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. So they shut down the whole thing, or yeah, they said they were temporarily shut down, but huh? No, I don't I, know. I, I don't know if that that news just came out a few hours ago, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't use that platform. Gotcha. Um, in terms of KYC and and stuff that could happen there. Is this the first of many um, that are jurisdictioned in Europe? Are there other because th- this is based on uh, essentially some European regulations going into effect? Correct. Yeah, five AMLD or something. Yeah, but this so is. Are there affect- other significant exchanges there, or is Deribit really the only one that was trying to operate there of any size? I don't really know, like Bitstamp maybe, but they have KYC and. Uh, like the, the last one left is Bitmax. Like that's the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Like they're they're domiciled wherever they are, Tokyo or uh, Hong Kong. I forget. Uh, I think it's Hong Kong, right? Say Achilles. Say uh, Seychelles. <laughs> Seychelles. So, sorry, I always do that. <laughs> I have to remind um, myself to pronounce something differently. <clears throat> it's not phonetic. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're domiciled in in the Seychelles, right? Yeah, and I think. KYC will come for them eventually. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know where, but it'll come for them. And yeah, uh, when but they that get happens, to be cowboys for now. Yeah, when that happens, that'll be interesting for sure for the market because they're they were one of the biggest uh, you know margin leverage trading platforms, especially during the bubble in the world. Uh, Binance is kind of chewing up them a little bit. Deribit is FTX is another one where like. KYC is coming for them eventually. So, yeah. It is what it is. You know, if you're American or European, not incorporated, it's rough. You're trying to skirt taxes. It's going to be damn near impossible pretty soon. (laughs) You mean if you're a trader trying to skirt taxes? Right, if you're a trader. Yeah. Yeah. Which a Uh, lot of people in crypto, you know, nobody likes paying taxes, but especially people in crypto. Yeah. And well, there's different things. There's, you know, some people are definitely trying to trade places where they can get around taxes and other people are just trying to trade places where they're allowed to trade. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they still report things as gains and losses or whatever, but they uh, just don't have access to the same type of products if they, you know, don't, if a place forces KYC. So I don't know. Each Everyone has kind of their own reasons why they do stuff, but for sure i see i see what you mean and the potential risks there um it does seem inevitable that some of these products will start to be better made available for americans in particular but it does seem like um it's going to be like by the the way the americans tell you it's okay right um so like cm you know if it's options like you can do them through cme and there's certain restrictions on those like what is it like five Bitcoin contract size? Mm-hmm. So like they're trying to force out uh, some retail participants in the Bitcoin options market purely through contract size there. Cause I mean, they could have made them, uh, they could have made those contracts one BTC or they could have made them some kind of random amount. They could have done a lot of things, but they decided to make them five Bitcoin per contract. So I don't, they, they didn't do that for no reason. Uh, in terms of why, I don't necessarily know. I don't, I don't know why it seems like American institutions are really trying to keep retail away from 
different types of products, but certainly it's what we're seeing. And I think what we also will see is a continuing willingness by uh, people in the market to create exchanges that bypasses all this stuff. And the cycle continues where people, you know, refer people to a new exchange that doesn't have the same requirements and the liquidity shifts and evolves over time to support people doing that without KYC. KYC has killed more exchanges than it's helped for sure. Yeah, it's like a KYC hot potato. And Polo is just going in the other direction completely where they're uh, cowboy anti-KYC. Yeah, screw it, aren't they? Just to save the exchange probably, but you know who knows what's going on over there at this point after uh, the Justin Sun takeover. Yeah, it's it, the it's the Tron exchange now. And we talked about this uh, after we recorded last week, I think, but Tagami, T-A-G-O-M-I, uh, no matter where you're located in the world, especially in the U.S., though, I think they're a decent, decent option for a lot of people if you trade on Kraken or Coinbase or wherever already. Um, I'm yeah, not, it's like, a plugging. singular interface trading it's a singular interface. The order books are aggregated. You can trade on Bitfinex and Bitstamp. They have all sorts of stuff. I'm not trying to like plug them or anything. I don't have a ref link. I'm just saying like they're going to be a legitimate option, I think, for a lot of people, depending on the yeah. fee model. I applied which... for trading there based on your recommendation because it's a mm-hmm. submit your application type of deal right now. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't heard back. I know you can definitely jump the line if you say you're willing to trade like over a certain amount. I don't remember what the amount was, but it was like maybe twenty five or fifty thousand dollars worth. Um, so it depends on what your appetite is for putting funds on an exchange. But well, the other yeah. thing about them is they they have a cold storage. Like I don't know, there's some sophisticated cold storage system. It takes a while to get exchanges or to get money on and off the exchange because they're trying to like, you know, be more secure about it. So it's not exactly like as crypto as crypto can be. Like you can't just pull off your coins in 10 minutes or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it takes... it's not meant it's not meant to just like ship stuff over and uh, no, no, no. make your trade and ship it back. Right. It's meant to be like a home for people with a large amount of crypto, really. Yeah. Uh, who need like a regulatory, like they have a bit license. Anyway, that's enough about them. But what's check the them URL out. again? I know you didn't. I think it's just tagomi.com. Yeah, that's right. tagomi.com. There was a rumor that they were going to merge with Coinbase. We deserve a sponsorship for that. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a rumor that they were going to merge with Coinbase. Was that a couple months ago or a month ago? I don't know. Then like it didn't happen and uh there was some back and forth with the journalists at Coindesk and the block and Oh, I did see that. I did see that. But I got no a, idea what they were. I wasn't paying attention to them. They got like hundred million in seed funding or something last year. I don't know, something yeah. ridiculous. And anyway, looks like they came to play. Yeah, like uh, and it, the interface is definitely foreign to any like retail person, so it takes some learning. Uh, yeah, the interface looks nice, is what I would call it. <laughs> yeah, no, the inter- I think the interface is awesome, but anybody who's only traded on like Coinbase is going to be like, what the hell's going on? But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so check it so, out. It, it seems like maybe it's kind of like your think or swim to TD Ameritrade comparison of the legacy market. Um, yeah, they're a, they're a prime broker, if yeah. that means anything to anybody. So, yeah, it looks yeah, pretty but, interesting to me. They've got 
they've de- definitely got all the crypto crypto bro VC funds behind them. So I'm sure they'll have some momentum. Yeah. Call us, Tagomi. Yeah, I just just sent him an email. Say, hey, you want to be an additional sponsor? Let me know. <laughs> Not even, I mean, they can sponsor if they want, but maybe they can come on and tell us about uh, what they're doing. And yeah, for sure, I can get them on. Approve my freaking account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get them on. Um, yeah. Cool. Crypto, the asset class that doesn't sleep. The markets move quickly with profits made and lost around the clock. It's a whirlwind and you've got to keep up. You need enhanced tools that deliver timely data and accurate analytics so you can make informed decisions. You need BNC Pro, a customizable, institutional-grade suite of applications to help you manage your crypto investments all in one place. Get accurate market data, track your trades or custom holdings, and see profit and loss at a glance. Monitor any asset, trading pair, or exchange using Brave New Coin's trusted market data. Integrate BNC Newsfeed and filter it to deliver Deliver only the news that matters to you. Never miss an opportunity, save time, and make better informed decisions. Finally, the all-in-one terminal experience you need to master this brave new asset class. BNC Pro, launching Q4 2019. Join the waitlist today at bravenewcoin.com. You ready to talk about some alts? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about some altcoins. Why not? So, I like, like you mentioned earlier if if it becomes clear that bitcoin's not just going to start rampaging uh you know two thousand dollars one direction or the other then it starts to get really interesting in terms of what altcoins do with that usually the the correlation right would be that alts definitely prefer bitcoin to be going up but when Bitcoin's going up, if Bitcoin's going too fast, then alts can get crushed. Um, but when Bitcoin starts to calm down, then alts can have potential less people go and seek that uh, added beta or exposure or whatever, however you want to define that. So we may be entering a, a, a period of time where that's uh, the type of opportunity that exists. We're seeing that in some big caps just today. Like Litecoin is moving, we talked about before the show. Find it really interesting the setup that Litecoin has, and I, ha- I haven't seen a lot of like five percent plus days against Bitcoin for Litecoin. Have you? Uh, I'd have to I'd have to check on that. I don't really. I feel like the one time I traded Litecoin was like it was at thirty or something several months ago. I don't know. There was yeah. one specific like setup that I traded Litecoin. Other than that, I don't really touch Litecoin. Yeah, so we talked about you know altcoins in general uh, just a couple episodes ago in terms of what we thought some potential was. You talked about your basket, and I think our game plan today is to dig in a little more to specifics because you know there's always the hot stuff. What it, which coins did you say actually beat Bitcoin over the course of the year? It was just like a, two or three uh, that yeah, had any sizable market cap. Um, yeah, so how Link are you and Tezos. Looking? Yeah, Link and Tezos, and then Synthetics was one that, but it's not really listed, so you know, just kind of depends. Um, so how are you? How are you sifting through all this? Because I'm convinced that most of these are just going to continue freaking sucking. Um, so I think if people are going to look for exposure, it's worth <laughs> looking for exposure where you're not like investing in some dead project or something that's just going to continue to bleed, et cetera. 
Yeah, so I'm looking for like trend stuff, which is above the cloud, above the 200, flattening of the bear trend. So there's a lot of stuff, LTC, BTC, EOS, BTC, um, ETC, BTC. So a lot of these like mid to high cap alts have these really nice looking uh, BTC pair setups, maybe even Zeke BTC. I haven't looked at that in a while. Um, you know, you sent uh, you sent me some stuff on the Ethereum Classic chart and narrative. Why don't we just start there? I don't have a position in it. I don't know that you do or not, but uh, share yeah. with me what that what that setup is. Yeah, so I don't have a position. I'll probably not take a position in it uh, just because I avoid anything that's been fifty one percent attacked. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> So ETC, much like uh, LTC, kind of lags like the main core uh, ETH development by several months. Um, so LTC, for instance, lags like BTC's development by several months. Um, but this week on the 13th, they have a hard fork coming up that brings them up to date with Constantinople and something else on Ethereum. So like from a development perspective, they'll be up to date. It's going to be backwards compatibility, enabling hard fork between ETH and ETC. I don't really know if that's going to do anything price-wise. Um, but I think the most interesting thing is ETC, instead of a halving, it's got a uh, 20% reduction every 5 million blocks in the block reward. So they're hitting a, the 10 millionth block on March 15th-ish. So they've got... Uh, that going for them from a supply perspective. Uh, and then the charts all look good as far as trend metrics sort of bottoming out. The ETC BTC chart probably looks the best among them. Yeah. The when daily. I look at this ETC BTC chart, it's got everything I want in terms of showing reversal. And uh, yeah, so it's maybe even a really giant Adam Eve on that. It's above the cloud. The 5200 is going to cross for the first time. In like 700 days, uh, RSI has been curling up over the past six months. Like this is a really good um, slow accumulation. And I think yeah. 0.001 is a good target uh, in within the next second quarter for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But uh, yeah, I have to say aside from fundamentals, which... I think so. I think what's interesting about Ethereum Classic is there is a fundamental case. If your fundamental case is, uh, you know, it's not the same mayhem as Ethereum going through all this staking stuff that Ethereum's doing. So it's like almost a hedge against all that Ethereum stuff. Uh, and it's it seems to me like it has a lot of potential just because of that. I'm all, I'm seeing volume increase, like you said. The cloud is uh, turned fully bull now in terms of going green and all the other triggers. It's above the 200-day moving average from a simple moving average perspective, which it has not done since April 7th, 2019, which was a total scam pump that looks like it was one daily above, <laughs> but by a lot. I don't know what was going on back then. Probably some something really stupid. Uh, it after that it bled out a ton. Whereas this time it's been above it for a couple of weeks. It looks like it's forming maybe some kind of broadening wedge or something. 
on the daily really looks really looks good like this looks like the type that you could just kind of buy uh anywhere under 700 sats and ride it up for a bit and uh see 7, how it goes. 000. 7,000, right? Yeah, 7,000 Satoshi. Sorry about that. One, two, three. Yeah. 700 eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but if like in a vacuum, this is the exact chart I want to buy, you know, no matter what in a, it is. In a vacuum, just looking at price, this looks great. And yeah. it's got, I do think it actually has enough of a narrative with Ethereum stuff to be compelling. The risks here, 51% attacked last year. Uh, really nobody's using this, um, but it's got pretty broad listing support, probably decent enough liquidity due to markets being made across those different, uh, exchanges. And if yeah, Ethereum the only... completely blows up, then this becomes Ethereum again, right? <laughs> yeah. And the only reason I've looked at this is because I wrote an article for Brave New Coin about it yesterday or two days ago, whenever I wrote about it. But, uh... The other thing, if you dive deep on the nodes for this, 80% of the nodes are hosted on cloud storage. So that's also problematic from a centralization perspective. Um, Does that make you believe that like maybe one entity was responsible for them? Well, it's not. It's probably like five at most, but still like, again, this is not like pure crypto, right? If we're not, we're not decentralized completely. We're not here. We're not. Um uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, so it's been 51% attack. It's got plenty of issues. I'm just hedging here and saying, like, you know, if this blows up tomorrow, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the yeah. same time, like Barry Silbert's fund owns 7.76% of the circulating supply. So wow. that's another reason to think like it's not going to disappear tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. don't know. Like there's, there's definitely pros and cons to being in this trade. Um, but from the technicals, it's, it doesn't get much better than this, really, yeah. honestly. And a 2x move plus would be still, in the long-term sense, it would still be just super wrecked relative to Bitcoin. Like, it's it's bled a ton. Um, I'm just looking at the Coinbase listing currently, and it's ble- not done nothing but bleed since it listed on Coinbase. And when it listed on Coinbase, it was already way down, like... So I know this chart that I'm looking at goes further back and it just gets uglier. So uh, to see some higher lows, to see some daily trend shifting stuff, that's very promising to me. It introduces a risk reward scenario that looks super attractive. Uh, And when you can combine that with some fundamental justification, even if it's not true fundamentals, like some fundamental justification to me that uh, I agree with you. This looks pretty attractive. I would be looking for entries in the mid six Ks. Uh, my personal stop would probably be the 200-day moving average, around uh, 5,800. That's 200-day SMA, which it all, when it broke out, it retested that twice before it moved up and, it, and broke the cloud at the same time. So looks to me like this doesn't really want to test back down there. And if it does, then that's problematic. So that would be – that's a loose stop, of course. So your, your upside is going to have to take that into account. If you if you look at this one, I like that nice one. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think best case, it is a broadening wedge and it does break the top. Worst case, it turns into a diamond top and then just continues dying to yeah, it goes lows. back into jail. Yeah, um, I think it's got a few more weeks if you want to wait to make a decision on it. Um, but 
yeah, I, like I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely going to wait myself thinking about this as far as uh, entering, even though it looks really good. You know, I'd be willing to buy it today. Like it wouldn't just, bother me. It wouldn't bother just, me to buy it right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd agree with you there. But so that's the ETC VTC. Well, let's uh, stick with one more berry bag. <laughs> uh, Zcash, classic Zcash fashion. It, it has some similar qualities to what we just mentioned with Ethereum Classic, except it hasn't done the breakout component of that at all. Uh, it's got the uh, increasing volume. On what I'm looking at, Daily Cloud is not bull yet. It is over the 20-day moving average. It has not made new lows, but I wouldn't call these higher lows either. Uh, so basically, this hasn't yet made the first move. So this is like you you want to get in on one before it makes any move whatsoever. You know, you want to capture roughly the bottom. Then that's what you're seeking. The 200-day moving average, which is really what I would look for for confirmation, because as Josh will tell you, it has never broken it. <laughs> has it ever broken it? No, never. Never since, broken it. Since inception. Yeah, so since inception, it's never broken the 200-day moving average. That 200-day moving average is all the way down to 0.005 now. So if you really wanted to wait, uh, you could probably wait until it breaks that 200-day moving average whenever that is, because when that happens, I do think there will be plenty of uh, people talking about it. Yeah, and again, though, look at RSI, six-month uptrend on RSI. As price yeah. sort of goes sideways into nothing, and it's stopped selling off day after day after day, which is for Zeke is a feat in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, uh, Side, sideways is moon for Zcash. Right. Holding value against BTC is amazing, and if you look at the volume profile as well, like this is the most volume, at least on Bitfinex. Um, this is zone between. What is that? 005 and 0035 is the highest volume zone in the history of the chart that I can see. So if it's able to base here and go above the cloud for the first time almost ever as well, uh, that's also a good sign. Yeah. So you, know, you can just set you can just set alerts on like 4400 or 0044, whatever that is. Uh uh, BTC and just, you know, ignore it until then. I think that's what I'm going to do, even though yeah. I already own some for in the, the altcoin fund I have. But And I will yeah, say, I think if Zcash gets over its primary hurdles, fundamental hurdles, they've been going through a lot of stuff with their like foundation and governance plans and all that. I would imagine if it moves up, it's going to be in combination with some resolutions to what they've been working on with all of that. Um, and those are also the risks as well. If there's a decision made that, you know, continues to give an overly large founder's reward or stuff like that. In terms of the upside, though, it's massive on Zcash. Like, I'm convinced uh, when this does finally move, it has the potential to really move a lot. Uh, it's 0.005 right now. Uh, I think it can drop a zero. <laughs> Uh, in the if if the market really got wild, you know, to point like point oh five, that would take it back to like twenty eighteen levels. It's really ble it's bled that much. Of course, there's plenty of trades well below that, like to 
there's lots of resistance on the way up because of where it's broken down from from these types of consolidations before. 0 0.012, just a couple that I see. So lots of trades in there, but that is a gigantic gain relative to Bitcoin if you're willing to take the risk. Uh, and to be honest with this one, it's got so little proof of holding these bottoms. It's probably the type where you'd rather get that confirmation going above the 200-day, staying there, having a higher low, that kind of stuff, because it just happens very rarely. And See, that's, I feel the opposite. Maybe it's just, my bias. You just get in now and set your stop for new lows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just say, at this point, you know, like, how much lower can it go? Obviously, it can go to zero, right? But, oh, yeah. So many a Zcash bag holder have said that before. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I do agree with I do agree with you though. Like the risk profile is fine here, but in this case, your stop needs to be new lows. Whereas if you wait, you would enter on that breach of the two hundred day or flipping the cloud or something, and your stop would not be new lows. It would be you know a deep enough retrace from whatever the support becomes. Here's some uh, technical evidence for you. If I put a pitchfork on that. It's just re-entering the channel from the downside. So, yeah. to me, this says it's looking back. It's looking to mean revert back to the median line, which is at like eight zero zero eight right now. Anyway, I don't know. I'm already in it, so whatever. Let it let it go to zero. But uh, <laughs> it looks good. Well, I agree. zero zero eight is a huge horizontal level too, and that's a double from here. So. A lot of opportunity there. I totally agree with you. I'm not not fighting that whatsoever. And yeah, the the cons list for Zcash is longer than we have time to discuss, but uh, from a fundamental perspective. So, do you have enter another, your own uh, risk? Do you have another big cap that you have on, on your mind? Uh, EOS BTC. If you bring up that one, very similar to both of these. What fundamentally does EOS have going on these days? This is one where I really fail to ever keep up. Wow. So EOS has been maintaining this floor. Like this looks like super accumulation since basically July 2019. You could probably draw some kind of rectangle from like July or August until now. Uh, so that's a long that's a long time for an altcoin to sit and accumulate sideways yeah we're talking about another six month accumulation um this is definitely the, the flattest of the three that we just looked at as far as the accumulation period so from a fundamental perspective hearing a lot of stuff from eos people that the network's basically broken you can't transfer funds on it people are having a lot of, it's just like it's too full they're having a hard time transacting on it uh, if you look at the the BPs, the uh, block producers who are the main um, confirmers of all the blocks, like most of it's in China and Asia now. And I don't know, like there's again, like ETC, there's fundamentally this stuff might be completely broken. Um, on the pros side for fundamentals, it's got this voice thing coming in uh, Which is February. A social network. It's this probably nothing burger social network coming in February. Um of this year beta so like <laughs> it's it's the the least exciting announcement of all time but um maybe that's some impetus to do something i don't know but again if you look at the technicals here 
This looks really good. This looks like a chart I would consider entering for sure. Yeah, looks good as accumulation. Has not broken out. No, I mean, it's just kind of dead sideways, which is fine. And it um, could do that for six more months. Yeah, I mean, what are what do B-bands look like on the daily? I'm sure they're getting pretty tight by now. But uh, yeah, this Even is one I, I'd be willing probably to enter this one if it was... Um, if it was breaking out, I'm not. I'm not convinced enough to enter this one as speculatively as I would be on some others. Yeah, and uh, so weekly B bands right now are the tightest they've ever been. Yeah, the weekly B bands are insane. Also, cloud things, weekly cloud altcoins, not necessarily a great way to just <laughs> you know like make your decisions. But there is uh, a gigantic gap between where it's been and where it is now that's not resolved yet like the keyjian is like a almost a 3x away or something crazy yeah it's got it's got some time you know it kind of looks like silver to me on the weekly if you pull up the monthly silver chart it looks like weekly eos a little bit um hmm. it just reminds me that once you see enough stuff you say oh this is this this is that you know it's like if you see a guy driving on the road and he's all over the place, you're like, okay, maybe I should avoid this person. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I feel the same way about some of these charts. It's like I've seen this, you can call it a fractal, call it human behavior, call it whatever you want, but like you see enough of this stuff, you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I have a good handle on what this might be. You know, I'm pretty sure the guy in this car is crazy, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But so yeah, when I look at EOS, that's that's how I feel. Uh, and, you know, I was going to bring up Tezos real quick because it's like basically inverted to all the market right now. Uh, it's been dumping pretty hard over the past week. Yeah, Tezos was an early mover, uh, topped out, and it's down to sixteen k from twenty five k. So it's had a heck of a retrace. I was thinking that it was finally looking like it might stop the bleeding. Uh, it's I don't know if it's quite there yet. Let's see. It, it lost 40%, but it had gone up from under 10K. So it, it, had, it had gained two and a half times its value. So, uh, yeah. I think Tezos is probably in the spot where if you're, if you're a Tezos believer, like, you can start reentering. Um 200-day moving average is at like just under 13K though. So <laughs> I'd personally be careful with that. The It's got some potential divergence going on here. Uh, I don't love this Tezos look yet. I don't hate it. Don't love it. I'm not in at the moment. I'll put it that way. And this is one I actively trade. So I'm in and staking. I am a community member at this what? point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm staking it on Kraken through my through that uh, shitcoin fund I have. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Algo just Algo or Adam Adam, one of them just got listed on Coinbase, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Another it's one like in my, staking. Uh, it's like staking coin season. Yeah, ICOs that took a long time to list that have some kind of staking reward, and the exchanges are all supporting it because they think it might make them some money because they're all screwed because no one trades there. Yeah, anywhere. I agree. People um, and the fees are higher. 
like you said last podcast, you think fees are going to go lower to attract people. I agree. Like that's the next step. Get some um, exchange consolidation in general, lower fees, staking, lending, borrowing, whatever, you know, anything to get people in the door. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, do you have any levels that you're looking at on Tezos? Uh, well, the Tezos BTC chart just looks like a massive Eiffel Tower. <laughs> yeah, it looks ready to retrace all the way down to that 200-day moving average to me. It's on the last little potential indicator-driven support. It's inside the cloud, ready to bust out of the bottom of it. So it really doesn't look good to me from a... Like you're catching a knife a bit. It could reverse any moment, but it's not... It's not a target, personally. And my yeah. reasoning for that more than anything is I don't need to catch a knife when there's other altcoins that haven't made a move like Tezos already made over the last six months. That's right. my primary justification. Like if you're not a long-term fundamental holder, then right, there's other stuff you can speculate on. Right. And just going down the list, looking at Monero, um, very similar to... Zcash and that it's been below the cloud for 600 plus days below the uh, 200 EMA for a long time. Finally starting to perk up a little bit. Uh, XMR BTC on Polo had a massive spike down in December. That was, uh, that was Fluffy Pony leaving. Yeah. Which should be totally. bullish, right? I mean... I guess it's not bullish if the lead maintainer, you know, leaves, but from a centralization like, perspective, maybe. Is that like to the day? Yeah, I think it was the he day was, he announced. I mean, look, I love Fluffy Pony like the next person, but like he wasn't active on Monero. He hasn't been active on Monero for years. Even he though was he's the has, face. The face of yeah, Monero. December 18th was the day uh, it was announced. And uh, December 27th was that massive spike. But um, yeah, so like <laughs> I agree. It's, it's bullish. Like. Uh, I was talking to an old OG Bitcoiner the other day and, you know, he was saying it's good if all these high profile crypto people get hit with something that really shakes their faith in the community or the community's faith in them. So like, you know, Luke Jr. or any of these people in the Bitcoin core community, like just cutting them all down basically and just making it completely decentralized in the in that you don't know anybody's face, anybody's name, you know. Like that's long term. You're right. That is the best case scenario, yeah. for sure. Wow. Uh, I don't have any. Oh, I did want to have a, uh, another big cap. So Ripple and Stellar look the same to me. Interesting yeah. to me with those is they tried to break up. They failed. They're back basically at the range lows. So it's probably your best like risk reward trade if you just want to get in with a very tight stop on new lows. Uh, Ripple is down 70% almost from the time it was listed on Coinbase, <laughs> uh, which is this, that was the source of so many pumps. So that for it to be down 70% since it actually listed on Coinbase is kind of some kind of sweet revenge, I guess. Um, but if you wanted to get in, that would be the only justification is that it hadn't broken those new lows yet. But it looks it looks they look so ready to just break those new lows. They're not they're not targets for me. Fundamentally, I hate them, so therefore <laughs> they'll probably pump, and I will not be in. But that's the yeah, way. Those I'm to me look like I would buy Zcash over either of those. So. <laughs> yeah, they look real bad, and they have 
in my opinion, both of them, uh, uh, Stellar has had statistics come out that their centralization is maybe even worse than uh, XRP's. So that's something very impressive feat. Um, I mean, XRP was up 12% or something the other day. It's completely retraced all of that and more. Yeah. And the selling on the selling on XRP is just constant. Like I don't care what they say. They make a ton of money selling their token and they have endless numbers of their token to do it. So that's my that's my thoughts on that. Do you have any other big yeah. caps? I want to cover a couple of mid caps that I actually have exposure to and it's not for the sake of pumping them, but to say why. Well, I haven't looked at a BCH or BSV chart ever in like a long time, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, BNB, if you look at the USD chart, it actually uh, it was ramping up for a head and shoulders to like 850, and it, it didn't break those lows exactly, and it's back up to around 15. They have a token burn coming this month for Q4 because uh, they burn tokens every quarter. So that might be what's propping this up. Um and or just the general like Binance trading volumes are up slightly perhaps this month. I don't know, but uh, it looks good. Maybe not for like bullish continuation, but it certainly stopped dying. Yeah, I think this looks pretty ripe for reversal on both pairs. I know, you know, this is these are the ones where I had that short thesis and the take profit hit on one of the pairs. I can't remember which one, but. I wouldn't be super comfortable in my in a short on either of these anymore. Uh, both of them look to be like they could bottom out at any time. So I don't. I think those are in hold territory. They neither has really broken out. But if you love Binance, then the definitely the type of play that you could uh, go peek at and you know see see what kind of position you can have in there. And then the last thing I'll mention is just Doge BTC on the weekly. It's back in that uh, 25 to 30 cent or 30 sat area. It's sort of been a decent accumulation zone historically. So take that for uh, what you will, <laughs> what you will on Doge. Doge has also been riding down its 200 day moving average uh, against Bitcoin. Yeah, that's, um, but that's the days, man. You can't look at Doge on the days. Anybody who trades Doge knows that. No, anyone who trades Doge knows that you trade it on the weekly. That's uh, right. The weekly Doge B bands look kind of interesting. I I have a chart that is terrifying right now because it's got I've got Bollinger bands, the cloud, moving averages, so I can kind of talk about everything at once. Uh, I kind of it looks like a Bollinger band double bottom. If I can, if I interpret those correctly, the way John Bollinger has taught them before, uh, correct? Because it went from uh, the edge. It's basically edge to edge to edge sort of situation where it goes from the bottom to the top to the bottom again of the B band. So yeah. if it breaks, if it breaks, uh, what is that? Thirty three sats. It's it's good for a W, uh, a messy one, but it's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't I haven't traded those since Cripsy, so. I haven't actually touched this in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Doge is pretty anyway. liquid as long as you're willing to give up a Satoshi on both sides of the trade. Yeah. Which is the problem with the low sat coins is like you're taking a multiple percent L just to get in at market unless you just sit there with the billion other Doge that need filling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so what? So you get in at 35, you sell at 95, whatever, you know. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong if it moves. 
Um, so I have a, I've talked about ENG before, so I wanted to give an update mm-hmm. on my ENG outlook, mostly because two things. One, it, you know, it dipped further down off the top. It had a great, I'm looking at it, three or four weeks. Uh, and now it's been about six weeks since its local top. But what I'm interested in is that it has really tightened up the Bollinger Bands. And I drew um, each daily uh, local high, so like lower highs, as it continued to like fail the daily highs. It just made, on the previous daily, it just made its first like higher high uh, on a daily. So it, it has a daily candle that breached a prior daily candle high about a week ago. Um, and it's got really tight Bollinger Bands. It's kind of on this cloud-neutral precipice, and it found support at a pretty important horizontal level that I've had drawn that goes back to May 2019. Um, so I'm positioned in ENG. That's actually my primary alt exposure because uh, I've been doing the opposite of you where I've tried to pick like kind of singular coins that I could ride for a bit in terms of my altcoin exposure rather than doing an index, which is riskier, but the reward is greater if you pick well. Um, So I like the horizontal on this one. I like the fundamentals of this one, and it's going to move soon. And either I'm going to finally get taken out of this trade and we'll have round-tripped and be sad about it, or it'll uh, go back up and, and make a run higher. And it's got a lot of the same type of... Uh, events coming up with their staking process and all that. And uh, this one's just got a market cap that I like because it's in the mid cap range. It's not already like a billion dollar project and all that. And anyway, so that's the one I'm looking at. And that's why I like it. And I think that it's probably going to move soon. So not an endorsement for you to buy. I think the downside is back to the 200 day moving average, which is another 20% move down or something. So that's the risk. See, everything we've looked at, like, this is the one I'd least want to be holding. <laughs> <laughs> because of the cloud? Yeah, just because of where it's sitting on the cloud. It is about the 200 on the daily, but yeah, I, I don't know anything about the fundamentals like you do, so maybe it's a little different for me. Yeah, but, uh, for me, I've, I've been trading this one off of a moving average and horizontal strategy. Um, when I turn on the clouds, definitely like it's sitting there right on the bottom edge of the cloud, so it's it's in a funky cloud spot for sure. Um, but that would be cloud neutral to me. And from a moving average standpoint, it's kind of in my wheelhouse. I I definitely started buying it back too early. Um, but overall, like the, you know, I was in mid three, mid 30 Ks and now it's in mid 50 50s or whatever, or five Ks rather. I, you know, depending on which trading view chart I'm looking at, like it adds a Satoshi digit. Yeah, I always have to double check my um, anytime I do an article or whatever, like the precision on the um, um, scaling. Yeah, <laughs> I always have like, to make sure it's like per exchange or, or I don't even know, but either way. So because if you because if you're not paying attention, it looks like it's seven thousand satoshis, and it's like oh, actually, it's dot zero zero seven, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're just not paying attention anyway. Yeah. Um, Do you have any mid caps that you want to highlight or that you've been watching? No, I got, I'm really, that's all I've been looking at. I mean, ADA BTC probably looks the same as uh, EOS and LTC. I haven't looked at it lately, but yeah, 
one um, other kind of segment that I've watched is exchange tokens. Uh, FTT, we mentioned how as an exchange they've been doing really well, and their token has like done really, really well. It 3x'd off its bottom. Um, it looks pretty toppy now, though. It's FTT uh, is the ticker. Looks like it is making a, a lower high right now. Not where I'd want to be entering. If I was in this actively, I'd probably be looking to take profits on any pumps at the moment. But this one has been very interesting, and I'll be curious to see what it does going forward. It could be the type where you know dips get bought, it melts up, and it pulls a BNB. That's the that's my fear and why I watch it. <laughs> so it's one like if it goes and makes new highs, I may actually try to go find how to find out how to buy it. Uh, you know, to to play the price exploration game with it. But at the moment, the price action doesn't look great. Also in the exchange front, we talked about Bitfinex. They have their Leo token. And Leo has not made new lows since three touches, August, October, November 2019. But it's still in that, uh, you know, kind of accumulation, torn down range. So... If Bitfinex gets some really good news about something or if it just floats up with everything else, their Leo exchange token might also have some potential. I mean, if that's at a dollar, I think it's fine. But I I would never trade it personally. But that's just yeah. Me. Just another one that I think people might have some interest in. And why don't we finish <laughs> with Ethereum since we haven't talked about it today? Uh I don't I don't love it <laughs> from against Bitcoin. Uh, it looks like it could go make new lows any day, which would probably be a drag on the whole altcoin market. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I looked at that before we started as well, and uh, it doesn't inspire any feeling whatsoever in me, one way or the other. Um, I don't know. Like it, it needs time, I think. Yeah, this looks like doesn't any. It doesn't look like anything I'd want to enter. Like we were talking about EOS or LTC or ETC, even like those all look better than than this does to me. Yeah. Sideways um, Ethereum, I don't think is a drag on the rest of altcoins. I think alt other altcoins can benefit in that case. If Ethereum just like bleeds off like crazy, then I think it could be a drag on certainly other large cap altcoins as people just kind of tie those correlations together and whatnot. So. And I would, uh, if, if you're into like looking at odd pairs like ETC ETH or ETH XTZ, uh, stuff like that, it's certainly interesting. Even looking at, I was looking at the hash rate between ETC and ETH uh, yesterday, and ETC is slowly gaining on um, ETH's hash rate. It's still like six percent of ETHs, but um, those are like little little things for me that are like, okay, the market sentiment might be changing for ETC versus ETH. Even if you look at, if you bring up the ETC ETH chart, it looks like a massive W. It's above the cloud, above the two hundred. So that's that's an interesting pair for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then one other Bitcoin note, we talked about how it was, um, you know, bouncing off some of those levels we talked about. One other thing it's doing is it's actually reaching back into the cloud. So it was, uh, it, it, it made it into the cloud on that really big day and then it fell out, but now it's going back in. Uh, I think a, a, no, a new move up to 85, 8600 would be really interesting from a daily cloud perspective on uh, on Bitcoin. And if the, you look at um, if you look at February last year, 
how we uh, we went up into the cloud, then came back down, and the Kijun basically based, you know, like for like a month and a half or something like that. Yeah, it was like thirty days plus. So I'd love to see that again here, where Kijun flattens out at like seven 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 or something, and um, keep making higher lows and like some sort of triangle ascending thing. Uh, that's what I'll be looking for for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just see a lot of levels overhead. Like 8,500 plus is a lot harder than uh, what we talked about before with 7,500 to 8,500. So it's not that there's not still trades there. I just don't think it's as easy to make money on a, on, on Bitcoin than it is on increasing your Bitcoin through a couple of those potential altcoin plays as as Bitcoin works through these levels. And uh, depending on your, I mean, I think the low time frames you could get enough volatility that they could be fun to play. But I'm not making macro decisions based on this action. That's the way I'll put it. Yeah, and I'll say it like this: if we are above eight seven before the end of February, I will be extremely surprised. I think it'll take at least until after February before we um, test eight seven, like with mm. any bullish rally. Interesting. Great to hear. I think, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I like the price action for once. Like it's, there's some trends, even if, uh, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> they're, they're still moving quickly or strangely, but at least it's not like just total sideways and then one candle. It's like multi-candle trends on these kind of mid-time frame setups, so. Yeah, it's not just immediate Ponzi's token selling death. You know, there's like yeah. there's actual like buyers here a little bit. Um, right. And it's one last thing I'll say about Bitcoin is if you look at the twelve hour, the daily, it's got this uh, three uh, measures. What is that called? Something measures. I can't. I can never remember the name of these weird these weird patterns. But anyway, it's a bullish continuation thing. So uh, that looks good. If we break. If it breaks eight two or whatever, and then makes a bear div, and then just goes back to seven seven, that's that'd be good enough for me, you know. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Uh, couple of announcements type things. Uh, Josh, I'm go ahead and prepare what you've got going cooking on, from a writing perspective. Meanwhile, I posted on Twitter. I'll put them in the show notes. Uh, I tweeted a couple of trading view indicators that I use and have used for most of the last year. Uh, one is just the cloud. Someone asked me if I had, if I knew of a way to change cloud settings quicker because they were interested in both legacy settings and Carpe Noctum crypto settings. Um, and Damn, I've never heard somebody say that before. Yeah. So <laughs> I created, it's nothing new. It's just the cloud, the same thing as the cloud, but there's a preset to toggle singled, doubled uh, legacy and crypto settings for the cloud that I've been using for quite a long time. And I stole it from someone else originally and, uh, and modified it a little bit for myself, but I've been using that. I published it. The other one that I published is I call it my toolbox. And uh, the reason I like this one is I can do four moving averages at once and I can change this type of moving average. So I can compare, uh, SMAs, EMAs or, uh, Alma, which is a fast moving average. And I can also put like the daily 200 and the weekly 20 on the same chart because you can choose the time frame that you're posting. 
you can also toggle Bollinger Bands, and then you can show open, high, low, close information, OHLC data on a daily, weekly, monthly time frame. So if anybody is interested in any of that, it's there for free on TradingView. Check out my TradingView profile. And you're already listening to the podcast, which is all asked for, for people to to check those out, is to check out our podcast. So thanks for being here, if that's how you came here. With that, uh, Josh, what are you writing? <laughs> you said to be prepared, I'm not prepared. Uh Rising three methods was the pattern I was trying to remember. I was looking Rising at three methods. Yeah. Uh, so I did ETC. Uh, what else did I do? I just had that up too. Um, sorry. ETC, ZRX, and I did a Q4 review. Uh, and I did EOS early January. So yeah, check nice. those out. Yeah, ZRX so is one that I haven't mentioned in a while, but it's another one that they've been releasing a lot of stuff and I need to dig back into the chart because next thing you know, it'll uh, surprise us and pump well, without us which i can't have that chart basically retraced that chart retraced like everything uh, i know but that's did... why that's why now like we got to check it out because we don't yeah. we, we don't want to miss round two and it's like one of my all-time favorite uh to just follow those waves because it just seems to just trend on these ranges that are terrific so check out zrx i haven't checked it out but maybe it's maybe it's getting in the zone uh all right check out all, all of that for Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Brave New Coin for being our partner on this and all episodes of LedgerCast. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check out BNC Pro today uh, and you can get your news. You can manage your portfolios just like Josh is doing with his altcoin index and you can do so much more with BNC Pro. Uh, thank you to Brave New Coin. Read all of Josh's stuff on Brave New Coin and these new videos that he's been doing, which have been really cool to coincide with articles. That's it. This has been a long one, but you know, we gave you insights on specific altcoin <laughs> setups that you can hold Actionable. us accountable for uh, in one month's time. Come, right. come back at us in February. All right. We'll catch everybody next time. Thanks for joining us and goodbye. Monuments crumble in the blink Just run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze Wound so tight I can barely breathe